Welcome to the Canon Connection podcast. On today's podcast, our host, Rob Cranston, our president and COO of Canon, is going to be talking with two of our other Caners, uh, Mr. Connor McNamore and Michael Albrecht. They are Top Gun graduates. And without me muddying it up anymore, Rob, over to you. Hey, I tell you what, Koa, thanks, buddy. And as always, thank you for getting us in place and uh, getting our production and uh, organization for the Cana Connection. Uh, pretty exciting. We're back on. Um, as you mentioned, Koa, we've got some uh, naval av- former naval aviators, retired naval aviators that are now Caners. And we topic today is going to be Top Gun Maverick, the movie. I, mm-hmm. I And I got to tell you, I, this movie is just punched through. I think it's getting close to a billion bucks. Yeah. At the box amazing. office. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, back maybe this uh, later on this summer here. Right. Uh, people are hearing about it even more and uh, uh, wanting to go see it. So, yeah. Well, it's pretty exciting to have you guys on. And what we're going to do is just walk through and, and explore some of the, you know, the movie itself and the experiences you guys had as naval aviators, especially, you know, being graduates at uh, the Navy's Fighter Weapons School, Top Gun, which is out in Fallon, Nevada. Uh, and back in 1986, as we all knew, and, and incited a whole generation like you guys of, of pilots, um, was was actually at uh, Naval Air Station, now Marine Corps Air Station, Miramar. Um, I will say, okay, so I will say this, and I and again, I we can pick apart this movie left and right from the world of mission sets and and really operational set planning and uh, whatnot. But I will say that um, so in '86, right, the movie you got a bunch of greased up pilots that are um, that are that are playing volleyball uh, <laughs> by a beach, and then you've got Maverick that has uh, kind of the same, but they're playing football, uh, and that's in uh, Nevada, and not near a beach, unless there was a beach out there. No, Rob, <sighs> I think that one was uh, still San Diego. They were they were playing on a beach in that mm-hmm. uh, in that one. So, <laughs> yeah, so but where uh, the, the school themselves, though, right? Are, are, yes. Well, so, that, so that's one of the so, I mean, <laughs> a lot of the movie took place at North North Island uh, and they had all the, the fighter USA stuff and all that. Which Again, I I, I can't mm-hmm. fault them for making that decision. I think it's in the, the spirit of naval aviation to have, you know, it about beaches and football and uh the eye bar, yeah. and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, I hope they, uh, I hope they make another, uh, Top Gun movie here and then in the next, uh, 45 years or however long we had to wait for, uh, for this second one. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. You can, uh, my the, Airbus, yeah. the Airbus is actually there, uh, down in, uh, San Diego area. So they, they kind of did get that right, uh, with regards to, uh, that mm. but uh being up in fallon and being away from the air boss is actually a good thing so you know mike you know what i kept thinking of when i was watching the movie yeah. it's like it's it, it was like the when i saw the movie 300 about the you know the greeks fighting the persians mm-hmm. like none of the technical details mattered none of it like it, it was just it was all about like the spirit of naval aviation oh, to yeah. me and i i think they yeah. absolutely uh nailed that and i mean I, you know yeah. all the nostalgia was great and all the all the little details and everything and certainly the uh the aerial uh 
photography and and uh, the the flight mm -hmm. scenes were mm -hmm. uh, were incredible. So I I would love for them to come out with the Top Gun three, but uh, that's probably a probably a pretty heavy lift here. <laughs> yeah. I, well, all right. Let's do this, Connor. Give mm -hmm. it and and Mike, and, and we'll start with you, Connor. Tell us about your aircraft that you were trained in, naval aircraft, and how that was you. That aircraft was actually used in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it wasn't. So uh, my background, I'm a E2C Hawkeye uh, Naval Flight Officer, uh, graduated from uh, the Naval Academy in 2010, uh, went through uh, flight school in Pensacola and Norfolk, and then got to my first uh, squadron in uh, 2002, around October of 2002. Uh, my first cruise was on uh, USS uh, Constellation uh, with uh, CAG-2. And uh, that was the uh, kickoff to uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. So um, the Hawkeye, it's uh, the command and control aircraft of the air wing. Typically, there's uh, four of them on the aircraft carrier right now. Uh, it's uh, got a lot of uh, sensors and communication systems and that sort of thing. It's a big twin engine turboprop, 80 foot wingspan, 24 foot uh, rotating dome. And so, um, yeah, that, that was my first cruise, the OIF uh, um, Gulf Cruise on Connie. And then uh, after that, I got to, we got back to uh, West Coast Hawkeyes right out of uh, Point Magoo, California, which is a, a nice place to be. Um, so got back to Magoo, uh, found out I was, uh, I was going to, to the uh, command and control course in Top Gun, which was, uh, which was pretty exciting. And uh, I mean, we can get into the, the details of the school. I'll let uh, Mike tell his stuff. But uh, no, Top Gun. I mean, the course is uh, the course is incredible. It's uh, it was uh, just uh, an amazing thing to be a part of. So I'll uh, I'll pause there. And for clarity, you didn't graduate in 2010. I think you felt like you graduated in 2010. Did I say 2010? <laughs> <laughs> can you if you can fix that, that would be great. Yeah. 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 Okay, Michael. Yes. All right. So uh, actually, Connor and I's stories are pretty doggone close, mainly because we were roommates at the Academy. And so both graduated in 2000 and uh, went on to flight school. Uh, actually, I think Connor started up flight school just a bit early, uh, earlier than I did. And then I went on. Uh, yeah, I think the that original movie probably influenced me a little bit. So as I was going through flight school, I, I was... Pulling for uh, for F-14s, Tomcats, mm -hmm. uh, missed it by just a little bit, but uh, did end up going uh, F-18 Hornets and uh, hit the first squadron VFA-37, did a deployment over to Iraq on the Truman, came back and ended up uh, at the end of that tour heading off to Fallon, Nevada, not only to start the Top Gun class at the beginning of my tour there, but stay on with the uh, at the time it was called INSOC, Naval Strike and Air Warfare Center, mm -hmm. uh, but stay on with INSOC staff. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I ended up, uh, I graduated about two years behind you in Top Gun, Connors, if that's about right. I was uh, 04. Yeah, 2004 is when I graduated. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, 2007 actually for me. So, yeah, about two and a half years. Mm. Uh, yeah, it just takes a little bit longer to uh, to learn those stick and monkey skills. So, <laughs> what? So tell me, guy. Yeah, right. I mean, but, but so, what's the selection criteria to get to a Top Gun uh, school? 
Uh, it might, it might go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it is actually pretty strict with regards to, you know, there's only so many slots open and you have to get recommendation from your, the training officer that's in your squadron. That's uh, there's always one training officer there that is a top gun graduate, a very recent one. And uh, so definitely recommendation from there. Typically need a recommendation from another training officer in a uh, uh, another squadron. So just to show your influence, that it's not just all within your uh, your ready room. And then uh, typically you need uh, some endorsement from uh, some of the older crowd, uh, the old guard that have been been around for a long time. So some of your COs, et cetera, that were also Top Gun grads. Now I had um, a really awesome opportunity basically where uh, the CEO of VFA 37 had just uh, left about five, six months before I was applying. And he went on to be the Top Gun uh, commanding officer at the time or department head since uh, Top Gun is actually a department within Nautic. So the N7 department. Uh, and so he was, he was there. He was the, uh, the commanding officer department head there. And uh, so that was a great in. Uh, and, um, I almost felt like I was pushed to go there, uh, mainly because a lot of the guys see Top Gun and see the, the graduates from there and realize if you're on staff at Top Gun, you don't, you don't have a life outside there. It seems like because you are spending 18, 20 hours a day, almost, uh, as you're studying. And, uh, because the passion is just so strong with those, uh, those guys that stay on staff as instructors that uh, they're given every ounce uh, that they can of their energy. And so that turns off some people. And I think that happens a lot among the, the early junior officers. And, um, and I was kind of hesitant uh, because of that. But at the same time, we're, we're always striving for our best. So uh, that, that definitely intrigued, uh, intrigued me. And, and so it was a choice and I had to make that decision because I wasn't gonna make that decision and not give everything I could. Uh, and so, uh, that, that's definitely should never take decisions like this, you know, those kinds of schools ever lightly, but, uh, yeah, so it, it came with burden. I feel like. Wow. Interesting. Um, Connor, anything to add to that, buddy? Um, yeah, you, you know, I don't, uh, as far as the process to, to select people to Top Gun, I don't, I don't have anything to add there. I, I, I do remember uh, vaguely getting told that I was uh, going to go to the school and I was, uh, I was really excited uh, and, and the school did not uh, fail to uh, vastly exceed my expectations. I mean, it's, it's one of those things uh uh, it's difficult to describe in words. I mean, uh, you know, that's, I think that's another thing that the, the movie gets right is uh, the, the passion for, uh, you know, uh, employing your aircraft to the maximum of its capabilities and learning everything you can about it. And uh, just, uh, just improving and getting better and, uh, and, and learning how to, uh, how to teach um, uh yeah this stuff mm. is uh, mm -hmm. really what the school is all about. So it's not just a matter of, you know, you're the best and you go through the school and then you go off and fly some mission somewhere. It's, you actually have to go through sort of the, the grunt work of going back to the squadron and 
um, you know, getting the squadron uh, up to speed on on the latest greatest tactics. I mean, that's why that's why uh, the Navy puts so many resources into Top Gun as a school. I mean, it's not just a matter of sending people to Top Gun. It's also the fact that squadrons have to pony up aircraft to uh, to fly uh, training missions during Top Gun, all that all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's just a, just a really extraordinary experience and it's a long school. I don't know what it, it is these days, but when I went through, it was like, six, I want to say six weeks or something. I mean, it's a really, it's a really long, uh, it's a really long course and it's intense. I mean, you're doing, uh, you know, uh, you know, two events a day, uh, and then between, you know, an, an event might last, uh, an hour, but you know, the, the briefing and debriefing and, uh, um, uh, all of those things. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's just a, like, like Mike sort of said, it's, it's all consuming. I mean, I, so I, I was, uh, I was not married at the time and thank God for that. Cause you just have to throw, you have to throw everything into it to, to be successful. I mm. think kind of, uh, those are great points, guys. Great points. Cole, what was that? You had your hand up. Yeah, I was, uh, it's, so it's something from the movies, uh, but you know, obviously they're building up a camaraderie and they're doing things. And then, like you said, you're taking your skills and going to pass them along to, you know, people that you're going to be with all the time. But while you're there within those six weeks, is there a competition aspect to it? Is it, or is it just like, you know, everybody's just trying to do their best, but there is no real leaderboard that you're trying to like, Hey, I, I got you today. I was a little bit better than you. And then yeah, everybody ranking up a little bit like that. It's just curious. Yeah. No, it's, it's natural competition. I mean, there's no, there's no leaderboard, but, uh, but, uh, everybody's, uh, everybody's definitely competing. I mean, cer certainly, I mean, so Top Gun is, is like the class, the original Top Gun is like the classic competition film, right? It's, uh, and, and it gets the spirit of the thing, right? So, uh, you know, everybody's, and, and it's not even necessarily about competing against, in my opinion, it's not necessarily about competing against the other people there. But it's it's competing against yourself as well, and try, just trying mm -hmm. to trying to trying to get uh, trying to get better, and 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 you know it sounds uh, kind of cheesy, but to be the best going through that sort of school is, I think, what what everyone was striving for, certainly in uh, in my class. Mm -hmm. no, Mike, that's, yeah, that's cool. and actually, uh, and I like how Connor keeps pushing this that it is the spirit of it, the reality of being the best at Top Gun doesn't always happen out over the radio or in the range because again connor po pointed out that this is about uh, training the trainer and so the best there is can you take it back and hit those long debriefs and pull out excellent training points you know that focus on those aspects that that you saw in the event that can make you better and make the mm -hmm. rest of the team better and those that are, are really, uh, that, that's where you're becoming the best at Top Gun uh, because you are trying to be a, a teacher. And that's it's almost the secret to Top Gun. You know, we, uh, you assume, though, that everyone that, that attends is good at uh, either, uh, you know, whatever role uh, as a command and control, as a pilot in the front, a wizzo in the backseat, uh, you know, working together as a team. Uh, you have to prove yourself to get there. And then there is always mm -hmm. that competition to uh, uh, to be exact in your teaching. And, mm -hmm. and it's one of the funny things is too, is when your instructor is sitting there in the in the brief or debrief room and they're, they have their clipboard. And when you see them starting to write, you're like, crap, 
what what they bring out, and we'll do stuff like <laughs> what words do you, re, you repeat the most, and uh, and then <sighs> if your if yeah. your technique and how you're communicating uh, needs correction, that's actually more where we we compete with each other, if you will. So yeah. Yeah. The spirit always, of competition. Always lead yeah. with something nice. Always lead with something nice. And always. Then, uh... <laughs> That's actually in today's present. Like that really needs to be emphasized. Yeah. Um, I, but you, so it, this is kind of cool because when you talk about competition in the movie itself, you, you see this carryover from 86 mm-hmm. version Top Gun to Maverick today. And you have that certain amount of arrogance that, that – Hollywoodized arrogance, right? But really what it seems, and as you guys project, that competitive spirit gets into competency and being part of the spirit of team. Did you see some, I mean, did some of that emerge? Did you see some of that flowing in, let's just in Maverick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that the, the, the values that naval aviation holds dear and certainly Top Gun holds dear are, uh, professionalism and competence and open and honest communication. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, again, I think they got, uh, got those things right in the movie. Does it, does it veer into cockiness sometimes? Sure. I think, uh, I, you know, I think everybody going through this sort of program is a, is a, uh, is a human being, but I, I loved in the movie, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they touched on these things. Right. So one of the, I vaguely recall one of the lines in the movie was something like, you know, uh, Tom Cruise was debating whether these guys were going to be ready for the mission. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he said, these guys have been told they're the best their whole lives, and this is going to be totally different and all that. So I, I do think, I, I do think again, that the movie got the spirit of that, right. But certainly, you know, we are all, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, fallible, uh, individuals and, mm-hmm. uh, and we make mistakes and, and, uh, that sort of thing. And certainly, uh, you know, there's the, Cockiness is not a value that uh, that the actual Top Gun school uh, holds dear. It's, I mean, if, if you can back it up, but it's a lot of work to back it that up, right? I mean, it's that's what the movie doesn't show is uh, the 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 grinding hours put in uh, mm-hmm. training and preparing for um, mm-hmm. for for the individual missions and and uh, that sort of thing. So that is a great point to make for our crowd out there and the Kena connection crowd that are younger. And, um, and, and I say younger and that are, that are professionals looking to, uh, and some could be looking at, um, you know, crossing over or joining the Navy, uh, or the DOD in some context. Uh, but the hard work, right. That ethos of, of is, is just absolutely spot on. Mike, what, what some of the other yeah. thoughts? Yeah, definitely the work hard, play hard. Uh, that is mm-hmm. something you, whatever you're doing, you're doing with all your heart. And uh, I, I really appreciated the personalities that they brought out and all the right. actors yeah. and the, the characters they portrayed. And truthfully, I know people that fit almost all of those different personalities that, that they portrayed. Uh, but what was really key was at the end, and they did it at the end of the, 80, the 86 movie, they did it at the end of Maverick, and that is the uh, embracing after the, the event. And that's you know where the respect really showed uh, for each other. Wow, and, that's interesting, um, yeah. Yeah, in, and in reality, a lot of the, the razzing that we give each other is out of respect, because if mm. we don't respect you, uh, you you're not we're not going to waste our time uh, because mm-hmm. every 
every time, every moment matters. And uh, so even when we're joking around and making fun of each other, uh, we're we're trying to tell each other to keep it cool, you know. Uh, you're don't let your head get too big because um, I know you and I know your mm. failures, but I know your successes too. And and so it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, and that respect really comes out, which I love that they did that at the end of the movie. Uh, that was really key. And then, of course, Iceman and Maverick scene where uh, hey, this is a nice moment. Don't ruin it, you know. That right. was. Really, at the very essence of they that, they did that well. They did that they, so they, well. You know, they did really you know? well, that. and uh, and it showed respect for each other. And so, right. yeah, and bonds that last. And I think that's a huge thing when you're going through as much of a crucible as Top Gun is, or you know, any of these missions. Every time you go out, you are risking your life uh, in any of these aircraft. It's not a completely managed risk. And every time that is something that you do bond over, you know, and mm-hmm. especially, you know, the, the, the problems that associate with some of the emergencies that they've shown in, in both movies. And I got to point out too, that in the movie Maverick, that emergency was about a 95% um, example of something that happened back in 2017 uh, that happened out on the range. Uh, it was really close to exactly the emergency that we had and we lost the aircraft and the pilot ejected, but, um, and he was fine uh, in the end, but, uh, but yeah, that, that really went into a lot of the risk and a lot of the, um, that is associated with the, with the job. And Mm. you need that sometimes that, that take it back full circle to that general ribbing, that razzing that, that (laughs) happens to, uh, I think they call it gallows humor, right? And to kind of pr- bring it back to life again, instead of focusing on the uh, on the risk that you associate yeah. all the time. Yeah, I think I think I'll, I'll, think, if yeah. I could just yeah. add add to that. Yeah. The, the thing I'd say too is, you know, um, everybody goes a little nuts after about I don't know four months <laughs> on the boat. So, um, you know, when you when you've been operating off the aircraft carrier basically every day. I mean, you don't get weekends off on the carrier, right? You know, you might get a day off, uh, off here and there, but, uh, generally that's filled with training. There's, it's literally just go, go, go. And you're just, you're under, uh, intense pressure to perform on every single mission. I mean, again, I don't know about you, Mike, but back, back when I was flying, there, there weren't a lot of freebie missions where you're just out there tooling around. Every mission is a training mission because you're, you're operating a a uh, a valuable uh, aircraft, and you're burning uh, expensive gas to to get the training. So it's not it's not just you know. Don't get me wrong. You get you get to grab a few moments here and there where uh, where you're having fun and that sort of thing. But but it, being being on all the time. I mean, being in a squadron is probably the the hardest thing I ever did, and the the most uh, the most pressure. Uh, I've ever felt to per, to perform not just for me, but to you, you know to perform for the air wing to do to to be good within this larger uh, uh, team of again not just Hawkeyes and not just fighters, but all the different kinds of jets and even the you know working with uh, working with the various ships and the strike group that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, it's 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 uh, it's intense. It's intense. Not just flying off the boat. I mean, uh, executing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because in the movie, in Maverick, I I think in Connor that representation of what becomes 
um, from training now to real world mission training. When 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 Pete when Pete Mitchell when Maverick throws his book into you know the the, the Bible right of training manual into the trash it says okay now let's start Natops right yeah. the Natops <laughs> right yeah would you guys agree something in that in that I mean I know then they get into a very interesting set of right training and mission sets that yeah the, the training and Fallon is extraordinary be it you know Top Gun or be it uh, Air Wing Fallon I mean the, the only difference between um, you know having having so uh, maybe the scale of something like OIF is a little different from a command and control perspective, but as far as individual mm-hmm. missions, the only difference is that uh, dummy bombs come off the wings instead of real bombs. You know, mm-hmm. that's, otherwise it's it's uh, pretty, pretty darn close to the real thing. I think. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and I think that uh, yeah, the example of tossing the natops and goes, okay, this is you're we're done with that is really speaking to you better know that because that's your foundation. And right. you know, we have also have another manual that they didn't bring out because it's classified, uh, but that's the Top Gun manual. And so Natops talks about all the systems, uh, how everything interrelates, how to maximize your performance of your aircraft. And then uh, the Top Gun manual takes all of that and the systems and matches that up with the missions that you're trying to perform. And it gives you the techniques and procedures to then also take those same systems and, and employ it to the, uh, the most lethal uh, ability. So uh, both and, of and those manuals. A, oh, sorry. Are I didn't to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to say, and, and, the, and their, you know, their living documents, uh, NATOPS is, yeah. is written in blood. So if you're thrown in the trash, that's a, that's a strong statement. And mm. then uh, the Top Gun manual is just, it, it's, it's constantly, uh, constantly changing based on uh, the changing uh, environment that, uh, yeah. that we're operating in. Yeah. Um, so I think this is good stuff. I love it. I, and so in the, you guys brought through what I think is important for everybody to understand that work ethic, but really the day in the life of, of mm-hmm. which seems to mirror, right? The day in the life being the two missions or the two different events each day that, that, um, you know, that, uh, those students are going through. And so with that, the day in the life, um, and then translating that to then what becomes mission set, did you guys have a reality? And I, and I, and I know there's some pieces of this you guys can't get into, and that is the, the classification, but was it that you were training for certain scenarios constantly in those daily missions? In other words, did each session change in terms of its mission set? You know, it was an air-to-air, air-to-surface type of of mission. Yeah, yeah so there were – yeah. I, I just say, so start, the Navy yeah. goes through uh, workup cycles with its carrier strike group. So you start out mm-hmm. – I mean, it's it's uh, it's the very basic stuff, right? Uh, 1v1 sort of thing. Um, and so there's, there's this prior to a aircraft carrier – uh, deploying, you'll go through this this extensive workup cycle, which involves all the squadrons in the carrier wing going out to Fallon. It involves uh, uh, the Hawkeyes working with the fighters. So there's events called Harp S Farp for air to air focused uh, training, that sort of thing. And then eventually, uh, I mean, even when you get to the boat, you're still doing uh, you're still doing uh, workups initially. So you got to get mm-hmm. through. The pilots have to get through all their uh, carrier quals. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just to just to land on the boat, right? That's that's. Uh, uh, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a backseater, but it seems like a hard thing to me, and I always appreciated it when my uh, my pilots did it well. And uh, mm-hmm. and so and then uh, once you get once you get out underway and you're actually on on cruise, it's kind of like it's almost like a a, a a weight has been lifted, right? Because <laughs> uh, you you've really done all the hard parts. Everybody knows what they're doing. Sort of the whole strike mm-hmm. group is is uh, typically uh, humming. Uh, by that point, and then if something something comes up, then then you're ready for it. Uh, they've also so uh, cruises have been extended lately, and uh, there, there's also this. Um, it, it used to be that you would finish up a cruise, and then there'd be some time off, and then uh, you'd start the whole workup cycle again. Uh, that is that is no longer the case. So they realized that uh, you know uh, sending a sending a finely tuned carrier strike group home to relax is uh, is maybe not the best use of uh, taxpayers' money. I, I know there's a lot of back, raging back and forth about whether that hurts for tension and uh, and these sorts of things. I'm not going to get into it at all. It's just uh, it, it's just. Uh, uh, you, you, you sort of just keep going. So instead of coming off cruise now and just, uh, just relaxing now, uh, you, you stay in a, a ready status. Essentially, you still have to go out and do, uh, carrier qualifications and that sort of thing for, for, uh, mm-hmm. a, a while. Good insights. Mike, I know you had some, some thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of what Connor was bringing up was the phases of training and, um, even in, in just the six to eight weeks of, of Top Gun, uh, there are phases as well. We, you start out with some academics and you're sitting there death by PowerPoint, it seems like, but it's really, uh, really awesome uh, information there that you need to soak in. And then you go into a, a 1v1 uh, phase and then you start working into sections, uh, just you and, and a wingman. And then there's an air to air phase and an air to surface phase. So that was actually kind of cool to see that in the, uh, the recent movie is that, yes, you do focus a little bit on, uh, you know, the, the low level route that they do. And then, then the bombing and then, and the air to air portion. And then how do you put it all together? And there, there are a couple of events in the Top Gun uh, course for, uh, for the tactical side of it, where, uh, there's three main events that I can think of. One, it's basically the grad event at the end. And that's where everybody goes out and all, all the uh, Top Gun students are all the, the good guys uh, for that mission. There's no instructors that are in the, the good guy side. All the instructors are on the bad, bad guy side. And it's one typically uh, big fight to get into the target and get back out. And, mm. um, and by then, you know, you're working as a very cohesive unit. Back it up a little bit further, and there's uh, two other events. One's the Grad 1v1, an incredible event. It's all day of just go up, uh, hit some cap point out uh, in the middle of the, the working area, and you're just you're going to meet another aircraft. You don't mm-hmm. know what other aircraft that is, and fights on as soon as you hit the merge there. In other words, you know, right as you pass each other, now you got to fight. And these are guys from Air Force, uh, Marine Corps, Navy multiple services coming in and bring in F-22s, F-35s, uh, F-15s, every other platform that we that we uh, fly uh, in the tactical side. And you, again, you don't know what you're going to see there. And uh, you, you fight your best fight. I and mean, that's a, it's a great event, though, 
uh, we call it grad 1v1 because it is a kind of a graduation event, even though it's fairly well in the middle of the course, where uh, it's a graduation for you. And, you know, a an example of how far you've come uh, since you've been there. And then there's another event uh, right around that same time where we go down to one of the uh, telemetry ranges where every movement you make is, is on camera and on sensor and they have multiple surface terror missiles. So it's almost like that, the portion in uh, the movie where you have all these missiles coming at you and they light you up with everything and you got to maneuver and uh, it being a telemetry range, they can see what, how effective your movement is and, and you do a debrief on that and it shows all the, the notional missiles coming at you. And it's pretty eye-opening uh, to see that you can get in there, you can drop those bombs, you can, and you can fly out of there safely. And not only do you have all the surface-to-air missiles coming at you, and you have to drop your bombs together with your wingmen, but as you exit the problem there, sure enough, there's a couple of bandits uh, that you got to pop up and split up and handle those uh, effectively as a team and get home safely. So... It was really cool that they brought a lot of that out in the they, movie. Yeah. I just want to know this. Like, so the aggressor aircraft and splitting those 18s, is that real? Like, uh, all of that was actually pretty, uh, pretty close together. Now, um, a lot of my time, I, I did two different tours in Fallon, uh, both on uh, the first time was INSOC staff on the strike uh, in five department. Uh, and that's the department that, as Connor mentioned, trains the air wings and Fallon. So you get the entire air wing there. And so you have a massive engagements going on. Uh, and that was an incredible time uh, there. Separately, uh, my last tour in the Navy was as the operations officer, the N3 for, uh, for Nautic, Naval Aviation Warfighting Development Center. And so I worked very closely with all of these departments because I was the one responsible for the flight schedule to allocate all the aircraft. Um, and I was also the F-16 program manager, which the uh, Navy at that time had 14 F-16s there stationed in Fallon, uh, all connected to Nautic. And we use those as adversaries. There's also uh, multiple aggressor squadrons that fly F-5s in the same role. So it's, it's good to see something other than an F-18 and, you know, to make sure that you, you know how to fight um, the F-16 has incredible thrust to weight and speed advantage, uh, but the F-18 has that uh, the ability to turn on a dime. Uh, so the high angle of attack and a lot of sensors available to it. So it's good to have a different type of aircraft to fight against because there's different game plans that you'll do. So uh, I spent a lot of time fighting as an adversary. Uh, with F-16, we also got to go pretty doggone fast in the working areas. I, uh, we could take that thing all the way up to about 1.9, 2.0 tops, uh, a Mach number. And there was one one flight in particular that was similar to a couple of those uh, engagements where I was literally sitting about a half mile behind a, a pair of F-18s and they had no clue I was there. So it was it was basically shoot one, uh, do, do an aileron roll, uh, move over, and the only purpose of the Aileron role was to hopefully have one of them look at me and see me. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, the bandits will come up and surprise you uh, pretty, dom uh, pretty doggone quick. Now, if I'm uh, in an 18 and I don't know that somebody's a mile and a half behind, bad guy somebody's behind me, 
uh, in the debrief, what what's <laughs> how do you explain that? Oh, it's hard, definitely. Uh, you know, and but that's one of the things we we do is we do uh, look yeah, out. Yeah. You know, so we're part of it. Yeah, uh, and also, here's here's key. If you're really close to each other, you're six o'clock. Your blind spot right behind your head box, right there, is yeah. uh, is almost the same. But you and that's you, by the way, right? That is you. Like that's a picture, right? Is that you no, behind you? Is that you behind I, you? Uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's. Uh, well, I think you had, you had a really clear picture for that one, but um, sure, for our purposes, that's me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we actually spread out a lot further than what they show in the movie. In the movie, mm. uh, it's really important to be that close to to. Um, to give the you know, the feeling of how close you actually are, uh, given the speed and the ability to close pretty quickly, uh, and you know being a mile away from each other seems like a long distance, right. uh, and it's hard to pull apart in uh, you know to show how close you really are on camera. So they got to they, they had to put those really close together. But in reality, we are typically flying around a mile away from each other, and that way when I look back, I can see my wingman's six o'clock. So you should never have somebody ever uh, show up behind you unnoticed unless you really don't like your wingman and you don't want to look at them. And that happens. All right. <laughs> that gets more cl- closer to the movie theme type of <laughs> Sometimes. Exactly. Connor, my man, was there any any experiences like that? Is there something that you know you uh, want to share? A little sea story. Oh. Dude, you're cool. gonna start. You're gonna start with the the fighter guy doing a airlock <laughs> roll into into a AIC, and then you're gonna ask. No, I was in my little in the back of my little tube with windows closed and my sensors on, nice and safe, hundreds of miles away. <laughs> hundreds. Uh, any threat? Uh, bad weather? I mean, <laughs> no, no. I mean, so you know, I think I think the thing I liked about the the. Uh, certainly the Hawkeye community was a good fit for me. Uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, what I did. So, so the, the, the Hawkeyes, uh, you know, the, the standard uh, thing to call the Hawkeyes, a quarterback of the air wing. And so it, it's calling the plays, right? And so uh, being in a mission is incredibly mentally taxing. So Mike talked about these section and these division hops where, you know, you have, uh, you have, two or or more or many aircraft out there and you're uh running everybody through the intercept and you're you're sort of directing uh orchestrating uh the whole show that's i mean that's what i i like the most was doing that because it's so i mean it's difficult to to describe it's it's just it's it's mentally taxing you you just have to be on your game and you have to make calls at exactly the right time uh and and uh it's it's a, it was a lot of fun so Mm. That's so, a cool but, analogy, though. I'm oh, sorry, Carl, real quick. That's a cool analogy, though, with that, you know, being the quarterback of and, – and just in terms of, of 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 mission control of those varied mission sets. So, yeah, uh, let me brag on that a little bit, too, uh, if I yeah. can. Um, it's really hard to sit on your hands and not key the microphone when – uh, an F-18 or a section of F-18s are in a dogfight at a merge and you see that there are other uh, bandits coming after them. And yet you have to know, you have to be just as uh, 
precise there with your communications as with your non-communications to know that sometimes if I said something right now, I could really cause um, what we call a helmet fire uh, in somebody else's cockpit. And so the role of command and control is as much not talking at an appropriate time as it is providing the information. And I think that's that's great um, training there and, and uh, aspects to know as leaders too. And as Connor mentioned, the E2 controllers are the quarterbacks there. They are providing the appropriate information at the right time, timely uh, and pertinent information is important. And we we harp on comms all the time uh, in naval aviation to know I, we will get nitnoid down to the exact word that you're using to include, uh, you know, even this the uh, the correct emphasis on the right syllable. Uh, and uh, and it's the guys that do it well with command and control are multipliers with information. And uh, it's it's impressive to watch because there's the, the eyes in the sky and keeping everyone coordinated and knowing the timing of everything, especially when there's multiple engagements and uh, knowing who you're talking to at the right time and, and what's the best information that those guys need that are up forward is, is not an easy task. It, it, it takes a 100% focus 100% of the time. Great insight, Carl. You were saying something. No, I was just gonna, I was just gonna, you know, pile in and ask a question or bring up like it's uh, Connor from your aspect. For me, because uh, we deal with the EU sports and I deal with gaming in general and all kinds of stuff. That your role is kind of mm-hmm. like you get to see the whole game board. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. helping with all you know the front. You know, if uh, in a in a smaller aspect of a, other than just like a tactical game board, like for the esports guys that we deal with, you know, there's always that one guy calling out everything to and at the right time, right? So it's just like you got to let your people know what's going on, even though I know that's a game and everything like that. But uh, some of these games are getting so much more complex and fast moving and everything mm-hmm. like that that they're being you know sought out as training implements or at least things to get people interested in getting in, involved in the kind of aspects of stuff. Do you guys in your in your training that you guys were going through, do you game it at all? I mean, do you other than the, the, the practice missions and the other things you go on, do you just sit around and then come up with just a, a, without physical vehicles around just like figure out like, okay, here's the scenario and then you just kind of game it? and say like this is what i would do this is what i would do oh yeah i I mean i can speak to that koa so so everything is everything is pre-planned so you're not you're not going up and you know one of the things i in the movie that i I don't again spirit was good but i don't know but tom cruise kept uh kept telling uh goose's uh son uh don't think Right. And and I was trying to put that in context because I'm like, wait a second, I, I don't Ooh. think I ever stopped thinking up there. Was I, was I was I doing it wrong, Tom Cruise? Did I did I not get that right? But, uh, you know, in, in my mind, what I turned it into was um, was you're not you're not you're not thinking you're just executing a plan. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, it, it's it, it, if an NFL team is running a play. I mean, is there some improvisation within the play or, or do people do uh, clever and interesting things? Sure. But generally, 
you, you have to execute the play as sort of a baseline. And that's, that's, uh, that's uh, sort of how uh, naval aviation operates. It really is like, it, it really is like football plays is, is I think the closest analogy I can make. That's the kind of feeling I took away from that too. Whenever he was saying that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, you, you, you know how to do this. Trust your instincts. You have all the training. You've been through all the classes. You've studied all the, yeah. study all the game. Yeah. Does it work? You know, that type of thing. You, you, just do what you're supposed to do. Well, it, it's funny. It's funny you mention that because I've been, you know, executing a mission and I found myself, I found myself thinking, right. And that's, it, it is a bad place to be. You just want to, you just want to be in the zone executing uh, what you know how to do. That's, uh, that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. So. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was the only, that I was trying to tie it into things that I could wrap my brain around. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one, though, Cole. I, I mean, really, I mean, when you look at what you just mentioned, I mean, that's so very true is when you got, you know, again, a mission coordinator or the captain or the team or the what is the the center of gravity who's calling the plays an offensive playbook. I mean, you can audible, but is that audible the right audible? Are you, are you audibling in the right type of, of, of play or right. of asset in this case? Yeah. And so, yeah, so. And, and as we know, those guys, you know, hundreds thousands of hours practicing as a team doing their thing and uh, adjusting to every scenario and then replaying it and coming up with better game plans so that's what i assume you guys do yeah uh, i mean if any if anybody's played you know sports at at a at a reasonably high level i i think that's the closest thing i can i can say it's it's been like for me is is um you know uh it, it is sort of that sports intelligence where um, you know, it's really, really hard and you got to know exactly what you're doing and, uh, and that's it. I will say this at our next company offsite that, that I am at with the two of you gentlemen and everybody else in, in the company that wants to, it's like, I, it's been a goal of mine at any of the company, company offsites. I want to get a good strategy game going with anybody who wants to play. Mm-hmm. And as one, I just want to see how you guys think and then see if a, I can beat you. <laughs> <laughs> That, that being said, this was fantastic, Connor, Mike. Uh, just tremendous insights. I love this the, the analysis and just the ebb and flow and discussion. And let's do it again on maybe uh, yeah the movie three hundred. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Or anything right uh, the the Xerxes and all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but fantastic. Thank you, uh, gentlemen, for joining us on the Cana Connection podcast. Everybody out there, if you would like to see more, hear more of the Cana Connection, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of the other fine podcasting platforms. You can head on over to our website at canaLLC.com. While you're there, consider joining our forums, reading our newsletter, or checking out other interesting things from Kena. That's all for now. Signing off for Rob Cranston and the rest of the Kena Connection podcast crew. I'm Koa Beam saying analyze, assess, and execute, and we'll see you next time. Where's your Top Gun background? I, I can switch to my Top Gun background if yeah. you want there. I, I, since <laughs> I didn't show like that one. I thought it was inappropriate for me to have a Top Gun background. So that's why Millennium Falcon, but you can go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Like we pointed out, there's an aircraft missing in there. Right. I, mean, I can go with just no aircraft. Run over Connor's right shoulder. I can, I can, I can turn off 
the lights in my room and it'll pretty much be a Hawkeye. So we're <laughs> <laughs> I'll put in the ditching hatch and I'll close the, uh, the windows. And, uh, it's like, like, it's I'm staring at a computer screen again. It's just like, like it was. <laughs> Why didn't they show that scene in, in Maverick? <laughs> oh, we got a little Hawkeye love. They got a little, they, they yeah, showed absolutely. the inside of a Hawkeye. It was just, it was a picture clean call continue, but uh, you mm -hmm. know, we, it was something. <laughs> I love it.